You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory. Please do take your seats and welcome to you here in the room. Welcome to you joining us online. So good to be with you this morning. Well, I don't know if anyone else was slightly concerned like I was when I found that uh, next week on the vision form, I'm going to have to tick one of those boxes that says I'm not a robot. You know when they give you those pictures, there's nine pictures. You've got to tick like which ones have got lights in, which ones have got a tractor in. I find these hard. Does anybody else? I have sometimes thought... Am I a robot? Because it has taken me so many attempts to prove I am not a robot. But anyway, that's not what I'm here to speak about this morning. And if you want a title today, it is All In to Bring the Kingdom. All In to Bring the Kingdom. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy to encourage him to be all in, to be all in like a focused athlete getting ready for the Olympics, to be all in like a soldier who keeps clear of civilian affairs. Certainly those we've remembered today were all in, in the most complete and costly sense of that phrase. Paul wanted Timothy to remember that the kingdom that he was serving was worthy of him being all in. You know, Jesus was all in from the beginning. When he came to begin bringing this kingdom, when he stepped down into the earth to inaugurate it, if you like, he was all in. And he calls us, as we've just been singing, to follow him and to be all in. As we've sung this morning, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. It's kind of one thing to sing it, but when you say it without the music, it's kind of more hard-hitting, isn't it? Here at CLM, we have a purpose statement, which is simply to bring the kingdom of God into every life and sphere of society. Hopefully, if you've been around a little while, you'll have heard that before. It won't be the first time that you're hearing it. What do we mean when we talk about God's kingdom? We're talking about God's ways, his love, his truth, his gospel, his salvation, his peace, righteousness, his justice, the rule and the reign of Jesus. When we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're not in any sense talking about something that involves military power or control. It is not that sort of a kingdom, but rather we're talking about a spiritual kingdom. I think the dictionary definition will come up on the screen here. It's about the domain over which the spiritual sovereignty of God or Christ extends whether in heaven or on earth. I was a bit surprised to find such a good definition of the kingdom of God on dictionary.com, but there it is. Jesus spoke much about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. The gospels are full of Jesus teaching about it, talking about it. Paul's letters talk a lot about God's kingdom or inheriting God's kingdom. Now, of course, the kingdom comes first into our own hearts and lives, doesn't it? There was a song we sang this morning. It talked about him leaving heaven's throne to make it here inside. This is what happens when we welcome the rule and the reign of Jesus into our lives. Yes, there's a one-off moment when we begin and we say, Jesus, come into my life. And probably there'll be an opportunity to do that before we finish our service. But also there's the journey of a lifetime of allowing Holy Spirit to work in us 
and bring his rule and his ways to kind of change and grow us from our selfish selves into more Christ-like selves where we look and act and respond more like him. This week, last Tuesday, uh, we baptized nine people at Alan Higgs. We'll be showing those and celebrating those in a couple of weeks' time. And it was such a joy for me to be in the water with them. I'd never done that before. And some of them, when they got into the water, they were a little bit nervous, not just because it was cold, but because getting into water and knowing you're about to go under uh, can be a little bit scary. But you see, they were making a decision to be all in for the kingdom, like literally all in, full immersion, holding nothing back. They'd come to this point of knowing they wanted to follow Jesus and were all in. And so they were baptized as this sign. It's an inner conviction of a decision to be all in, all in for the kingdom of Jesus. For them, it was a step of faith, and it led to joy, joy for them personally, joy for all of us who were there with them at the activation of their faith, the response of obedience. I find it really interesting that Jesus gives us baptism as a physical and a tangible way to express faith. He gives us something to do physically to demonstrate that we're all in, like literally to get all in, literally submerged in water. You know, there's more than one instance in scripture where faith involved God's people and water. It involved them stepping out of faith in, in following Jesus or following the Lord. And I wonder if it's maybe because water holds this element of risk. There's kind of a sense of, of sink or swim, it could go wrong. There's a lack of certainty or solidity as to exactly how things will pan out. Many of us will be familiar of the story of Peter, one of Jesus's disciples, when he walked on water. Anyone familiar with this? Heard of it before? Very good. We read of it in Matthew 14, 22 to 36. The disciples are out in a boat. They've gone out in a boat without Jesus. But they see this figure walking towards them on the water in the middle of the night. In fact, they think it is a ghost. But then Peter says this. Let's read it from verse 28. It says this. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I don't know what Peter was thinking at this moment, but he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And then Jesus says, come. Now, I'm guessing Peter must have recognized the voice because there wasn't much else to differentiate uh, whether this was a genuine uh, sign that it was the Lord. You know, there's wind, there's waves, they're all out of their depth. It's the middle of the night. It would presumably have been pitch black. Everyone was scared because they thought they'd just seen a ghost and their heart rates hadn't yet returned to normal. And Peter's there saying, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now for all Peter, it seems, is often very impetuous. He says some stupid stuff at points. But what we get to see here is his faith. 
we get to see that he was all in for the kingdom. He didn't want to just spectate. He wanted to participate. He wanted to follow where Jesus was leading. He wanted to do what Jesus was doing, even when it was miraculous, even when it looked impossible. He wanted a bit of that. And for Peter, it meant that he had to get out the boat. He had to step out. You know, there's no middle ground for him in this adventure. There was no just sitting on the edge. It was sink or swim. Well, walk on water or sink. Those were really the options. But you know, verse 29 tells us that Peter not only, that, sorry, that Jesus not only invited Peter and that Peter got out the boat, but it also tells us that Peter got out. He walked on the water and he came to Jesus. He actually did it. He dared to do it, and he pulled it off at least for a moment. Now, it is true that when he saw the wind and the waves, he got scared, he began to sink, and he cried out to Jesus, save me. And Jesus immediately pulled him out. And he says to him, and I think Jesus said this in a loving way, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Only because he wanted Peter to succeed. He wanted Peter to walk in everything that he walked in. It wasn't quite the glorious adventure that I think Peter thought might happen when he got out the boat. But what it did do was provide for him an opportunity to be all in. He knew exactly where his faith was at. He had enough faith to get out of the boat when nobody else would. He was able to find that with Jesus there, he was able to do the impossible. Peter, not just Jesus, he was able to walk in ways that prior to that he had not dreamed of, but it required him to do something active. It required him to step out of the boat. He couldn't stay still. And yes, he lacked the faith to see it right through, but he did something that night that none of the other disciples did, because he was all in. And it's really important for us to know that this encounter with Jesus, as Peter steps out and Jesus holds him up and rescues him and they get back in the boat, what it results in is a fresh revelation of Jesus, of who he was and of worship of him. Because he got back in the boat and they're there saying, truly, you are the son of God. See, for Peter and for us, when we step out, when we go all in to bring the kingdom, when we step out in faith, whether it goes exactly as we planned or whether it doesn't, we will find that Jesus has got us beyond what we knew. Whether it goes how we think or it won't, it will show us more of who he is and it will lead us to worship him more than we have done before. But being all in like Peter it means stepping out. Being all in like Peter means stepping out. In my devotions recently, I've been reading in the book of Joshua, and that is all about the bringing and establishing of a kingdom as the Israelites venture into the land that God has promised them. And the book begins, we've got all these tribes of Israel, and some have settled on the other side of the river, but they're all heading over the Jordan to fight together for the land, for an inheritance for everyone. And as they come to the point of crossing over, this is a key defining moment in their journey to inherit the land and to bring this kingdom. There's a moment of obedience. There's a moment of acting in faith, of stepping out and being, if you like, all in. And this is what we read of in Joshua 3, 14 to 17. 
The people had been told that they were going to need to get ready for the next day and that the priests were going to carry the ark and they were going to go and stand in the edge of the water and the people were to follow at a safe distance. And this is how those verses read, verse 14 and 15. So when the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Okay. So they're about to cross over, but the Jordan is at flood stage. It was flood season. They were about to try and cross the river. Men, women, children. This is step one in bringing a kingdom in a land that God has promised them, but the river is in flood. Here we are again. There's a journey of faith and there's water, and the water is in flood. You know, flooded rivers are dangerous. Maybe you've seen even in the news in the last few weeks, tragically, at the start of the month, four paddleboarders got into trouble in the River Kledow in Haverford West and couldn't be rescued in a swollen and flooded river. Our thoughts and our prayers go to their families. I noticed it because in the summer, some members of my family clubbed together and bought me an inflatable kayak so that I can go out on the river. Now, I'm not looking for white water excitement at all. In fact, I've only ever been out on safe stretches of the Avon uh, in Warwick or Stratford. It's quite different. But you know, because flooded rivers are dangerous. I'm not looking for danger, I'm looking for recreation, but flooded rivers are not places you go near with your family or with your little ones. You keep your children away from them. And here we have God's people following him. He's asking them to be all in and to cross over to take their families, their babies, and the river is in flood. Can you imagine if that was us as a community on a journey? getting to a river, a flooded river, and trying to cross over. Can you imagine if the Pamus were there? Maybe you know Joseph and Debbie Pamu. They've got four children, Levi and Caleb. They've got little twins, David and Anna. They've not even got enough hands. Right. Or if we were going as a community, there would be Olu and Fola and little Ife and their tiny little new baby boy, two weeks old. There would have been new babies in the community of Israel. And the Lord asks them to come to the edge of the water in flood season. This is brave. I'm sure there would have been some mothers thinking, I'm getting near the back of this. <laughs> Let someone else go first. But this is how the passage goes on from the second half of verse 15. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. The people were all in because they had to be. They'd had to pack up all this stuff and get to the edge of the river, flooded though it was. But what happened was they saw that the God of Moses in the Red Sea was the God of Joshua and the flooded Jordan, and that God didn't need the conditions to be favorable. 
God does not need the conditions to be favorable. He can stop the Jordan in drought or he can stop it in flood. It's not a big deal to him. But I think he knows that sometimes for us to follow him in flood season, for us to follow him when the conditions aren't favorable, it requires more faith, yeah? It requires more faith. It causes something more in us to be all in. And so it's not unlike God to ask us to step out when the conditions don't look great, when it looks like flood season, when it looks like it's not the best timing naturally, when it looks like the conditions maybe aren't ripe. Because he is, after all, not so interested in our comfort, but he is interested in growing our faith. He's not bothered about the adverse conditions because he knows he can bring us through anything. What we learn here is that being all in like Joshua means following whatever the season. Being all in like Joshua means following whatever the season. Now maybe it feels like flood season to you as we are approaching Vision Sunday next Sunday. As we're inviting you to be all in, as Martin explained, to seek God this week, to ask him what he might ask you to give or pledge, and as we encourage you to have the faith to do what he says and to follow where he leads. Of course, the timing's not great. The conditions, the reality is many of us are still emerging from COVID. It still feels uncertain. Economically, there are still difficulties. Maybe you've been impacted by the recent end to the furlough scheme. There's challenges around climate change. It's good there's been a deal and an agreement, but there will be financial implications. There are energy price hikes, there's fuel shifts. It can look and feel financially, economically, psychologically like it's flood season. But that is not a reason for us not to inquire of God, who knows everything, what he might ask of us. He knows what's coming next year. He knows what you need. And it's why we encourage you simply to ask him what you should pledge or give. And you know, just because it may seem like flood season, that's why we are not going to pull back from going ahead with a process that challenges us all to be all in again. It challenges us all to be a participator, not a spectator. And I don't mean to be here in the room and not online. I know many of you online, you are active participants. And I know that you'll be with us next week, actively participating. We're making sure that you can join in. But the challenge comes to all of us again, to be all in, to bring the kingdom. You know, we have been involved in this process for several years since we first began here in Coventry. And before that, in other contexts, we have been through this process of asking the Lord. We've given more than we would have dreamed possible. And we have seen God provide for us in unfailing faithfulness and kindness and generosity beyond what we could have anticipated. And yet, still, when it comes around again in another year, it's a challenge. There's part of our flesh that doesn't want to do that. There's part of us, we find it a challenge whether I am really all in. Because it requires a level of surrender and of yieldedness to come and say, what would you like me to do, Lord? What would you like me to give? But we found and we find every year it's so helpful, so healthy to have that question and it grows our faith. 
I know also that it's challenged and grown others in the congregation. I was speaking to someone just a few months ago, and we were actually talking about the miracle of God's provision and what he'd put through our hands and the wonder of completing the paying off of the debt in the middle of a global pandemic. How wonderful that was. They have actually been on the journey here since before I was, but I love what they shared because they told me that their personal finances had been transformed through the process of annual vision pledges. They told me that before these pledges, every month at the end of the month or towards the end of the month, they would not have enough money left and they would need to use their credit card just to make it to the end of the month. Most of us will know what that feels like. Most of us have done that at some point, or maybe we're there now. But for them, what they testified was that as they'd engaged with making a pledge and trusting God and doing what he said, and then engaging with walking that out, not only had they been part of the miracle that God did for us as a congregation, not only had they been able to fulfill their pledge, but also every month they had the means they needed to live and they stopped having to use their credit card every month. Their personal finances were transformed. You know, when we step out and when we're all in, God grows our faith and enables us to function differently and beyond what we've done before. And that's why even though the mortgage on this building here has been paid, we're going to keep doing annual vision offerings. Not only because it enables us to make a massive difference in the city and to bless others, but also because of what it does in us of drawing us to be all in. And we know that God is faithful, that he will be no no man's debtor, that he will watch over what you need. And so we thank him and we look to him and we trust him. And we know that he is committed to growing our faith. You know, the writer of Hebrews said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Like, faith is right at the heart of this journey of bringing the kingdom and of following him. So much of what we've heard in the last few weeks has been about our faith. Last week, Pastor Martin speaking to us that considering God's desire for us to move from faith to faith, from periodic dependency to permanent dependency, from a history of faith to a present of faith, from an expectation of God doing miracles through his hands to doing them through our hands, and moving from exercising our faith from our own benefit to the blessing of others. And then, excuse me, there's no substitute for faith, the obedience that grows and demonstrates it. The week before that, we heard from Pastor Dom. He was preaching from Ezekiel chapter 37 and the Valley of Dry Bones. And he was really bringing us to to think about the questions that God was asking, these questions of faith about what was going on in our thinking, whether it was possibility thinking, and whether we were dealing with negative stuff and unbelief in our minds, whether we were being shaped by the circumstances around us or by what God is able to do. And he reminded us that the Lord is sovereign and knows everything that's needed. You can pick up those messages if you've missed them on on YouTube or on the website on the resources section. One of the things that I loved when P. Don was talking is he called out Ezekiel for not having enough faith. And if you listen to the message, you'll have heard this. Because God said to him, Ezekiel, can these bones live? He took them to a valley full of dry bones. He said, can these bones live? And Ezekiel didn't say yes or no. He said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And Pastor Dom called him out for it. He said he lacked conviction. 
I think we've probably all got a lot of sympathy for Ezekiel. If we were in a valley of dry bones and said, can this lot live? We'd look around and go, well, wasn't the first question that sprung to my mind. <laughs> it wouldn't be usual, that's for sure. So I'm so grateful that there are people like Ezekiel in the Bible who didn't have it all sewn up who weren't full of faith all of the time. I'm actually glad that Peter managed to walk on water a bit, but then sank. I'm glad that Joshua did manage to get across the river. They took a city, but then they made some terrible mistakes before they then sorted that out and carried on. I'm glad that Ezekiel wasn't too sure and had some doubts of his own, because these people make me think if God chose to use those people with their doubts, with their fears, with their mistakes, then he can use me too. With my doubts and fears and mistakes. He can use me and he can use you. He may yet want to put miracles through our hands. Let me take us back to those verses very briefly from Ezekiel. He said, the hand of the Lord was on me and brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together. Bone to bone, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. You see, Ezekiel wasn't sure what God can do, and he was surrounded by very dry bones. And the Lord doesn't condemn him for that, but the Lord knows that he's going to do something. And I love what the Lord does, because he won't let Ezekiel stay on the edge as a spectator, but he draws him in. He says, right, you're going to be involved in what we're going to do here. And he says, prophesy prophesy, son of man, speak it out. He says, this is what I'm going to do. And he tells him that life is going to come. But he says, I want you to give the command. You're going to speak to the bones to come alive. I mean, this is, this is fairly scary stuff. Speak to dead stuff and tell it to come alive. And once something had happened and these bones and tenders had come together and there's no breath, he says, right, now you're going to prophesy to the breath. You're going to prophesy to life itself to come into these bones and bodies and to bring life into the slain. These are not easy prayers. This is not a Lord bless them. Or Lord, um, if you could just, uh, would you hear our prayer? Have this, he's saying command them to come to life. Speak to the breath and call it to come. He is moving Ezekiel fairly forcefully from a place of doubt to a place of faith and involvement and active participation in what he is doing. How gracious the Lord is because he so often seems to want 
to involve us and work in us and through us so that we can have a part in what he is doing. This is what we're invited into in this season, to be like Ezekiel, which means active participation. Being all in like Ezekiel means active participation. Of course, this refers in part to next Sunday and Vision Sunday and what we should bring and asking him and trusting him. I'm going to invite the band to come up and join me. But I want to also ask us a question that goes beyond next Sunday and Vision Sunday, which is to say, will you be all in to bring the kingdom? See, I know we're all still recovering from the impact of COVID. I know it can feel like flood season, but I also think that the Lord is inviting us in this season to, if you like, cross over to a season of an increased impact in our city, increased kingdom influence, doing so at a different level. The truth is there are thousands of people in this city. And if you're joining us from another city or town, there are hundreds or thousands of people in your town or your city that need God's people to rise up and to trust him and to step out and to help be the answer, to make room for God to do a miracle through our hands, to bring provision, to take hope, to take love, to take Jesus. There are dry bones everywhere to speak to, those who are slain, who seem to have given up, whose hope is lost, those who are oppressed or struck or struggling or trapped or lost. And I guess I want to ask you, alongside being all in next Sunday, will you live all in to bring the kingdom? And I want to ask you and stir you and provoke you a little bit to say, who is the Lord putting on your heart? Who is he bringing to your attention? Who is he showing you and giving you a dream about the difference that could be made? What might he be asking you to prophesy and to speak about? Who is he asking you or what is he asking you to speak life into? Because you know when we begin to speak out what we see and believe, we make room for God to move and we activate our faith. This is about bringing the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of peace, of life, of hope, of joy, of freedom and healing, of justice, righteousness, reconciliation, and salvation. Can I, can I invite you to imagine this city or the city where you live and what it is like when the kingdom comes, that we might begin to picture and to imagine and then perhaps to speak out and to start prophesying. And then what if we did whatever we could to make a difference to those things and then made room for God to come and do the rest and the things that we cannot do? Just imagine, what if Coventry was a place where healings and miracles took place so regularly, where people sought out Christians in their workplace or school or on their street to pray for them? What if Coventry was a place where every boy and girl and every young person got to hear about Jesus Christ, that he knows them, that he loves them, that he died for them, and that he has a plan for them? What if Coventry was a place where everyone had access to a cafe or a group where they could get support or help with their mental health and well-being? What if Coventry was a place where no one went through the day hungry and no one went to bed hungry and where provision was made to feed people here and also around the world? 
What if Coventry was a place where anyone weighed down and struggling with debt was able to get support and help to not journey it alone and even get help to pay it off and get to freedom? What if Coventry was a place where the lonely were befriended and drawn into community? What if Coventry was a place where every child had a safe home for good? What if Coventry was a place where gang members had a way out, where they found belonging and meaning and purpose for their lives and places to use their God-given gifts? Can you imagine it? Can you see it? What if Coventry was a place where it was easy to hear about Jesus and have a revelation that He is Lord and that He saves? What if Coventry was a place where the arts and creativity flourished, not just in a city of culture year, but it was a place where creativity would overflow with freedom and life. Painting, drawing, dancing, singing, writing, theatre, film bringing joy and hope where voices could be expressed and heard and valued. What if Coventry was a place of flourishing business, of entrepreneurs finding innovative solutions, building ethical and sustainable businesses, creating jobs in a healthy local economy? Friends, these are some of the things that can happen when the kingdom of God comes. What if Coventry was a place not just of great diversity, but of great equality and opportunity for all, where people from all nations might make their home and find a welcome and be valued and honored and flourish and fulfill everything they can be? What if in Coventry, the church from its different denominations and congregations used all the strength, all the gifts they had to work together and stand together and champion one another and pray for growth and blessing and success for one another. Do you know that's in part what we're gonna be doing tonight in City Praise and Prayer. Serving the King and the city together in humility, together making Jesus known through our words and our actions. Why don't you stand with me? What if Coventry was a place where people often said, thank God for the church of Jesus Christ, because they've been influenced and impacted by words and actions. Does any of this make you wanna be all in? Does any of this make you wanna step out? I know this is more than a vision 2021, but this is what we're pursuing when we pursue bringing the kingdom and the kingdom coming. So let's simply pray together and respond to the Lord. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to bring a kingdom and what an amazing king that we have who was all in. And we pray that you would help us to follow you and to be all in to bring your kingdom. So we pray, Lord, help us overcome our unbelief, our fear, our apathy. Forgive us when we're half-hearted and lukewarm, but stir our faith, we pray, Lord. Lead us on, help us to step out, to follow in every season, to be active participants with you. And above all, we say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.